good, thank you. Pop that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, a very good morning to you all. Um, as a proud Englishman, I bet you're all pleased with the result yesterday. <laughs> as it gets closer, everyone gets a little bit more nervous, right? <laughs> but I don't think we've ever had such high hopes, but... <laughs> Uh, anyway, wonderful. Um, for those of you that missed it, the World Cup yesterday, England won 2-0. Um, <laughs> great. Um, well, uh, we're, in, um, we're in the book of uh, the Song of Songs, which is a love poem um, in the Bible. It's about uh, halfway through. Um, it's part of what uh, scholars, theologians call the wisdom literature. Um, and it's a poem that basically tells a story um, between two lovers um, as they... Uh, journey together um, on this incredible romance towards intimacy um, together Um, and within that we see um, an incredible relationship develop and emerge Um, and from the uh, from the praise I wanted to start by just drawing out um, in particular the fact that God makes promises to us um, just in the same way that lovers, when they come together in union in marriage, they would make promises to one another. Um, and God has made promises to us. And then the first part of praise pretty much did that for me. Uh, so thank you all those who contributed. Uh, there were a lot of them, um, which is great. But I just want to start um, kind of, I, I will reiterate one in particular promise that I think is particularly relevant to our sermon today. Um, but just before we get uh, into our passage, um, I just want to share a little bit um, of a testimony, really, over what God's been doing in me um, throughout this series. Um, it's been it, it's been an incredible series, um, and I don't think going into it, I don't think I ever realised the impact um, that it would necessarily have on me. Um, just in terms of God, um, just drawing me uh, closer to Himself. Um, as, you, as you gaze on him, um, as you let him um, romance you um, and, and win your heart again. Um, and I think, I, I think probably, a, probably uh, about a week ago or so, um, I think I probably, uh, particularly after last week's sermon, um, but I think I probably found myself just kind of coasting. Um, I think I probably got to a point where I was like, well, um, I can do this. I've got God's given me gifts. I can do this. I can do this. I can do, you know, as you as you get older and older, you start to realise where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. You play to your strengths, and you just think, actually, I can, I can do. You know, I can do this. Um, and I think actually, our sermon today is a stark reminder um, that we really can't. Um, and actually, just in that process, God's just been bringing me back to a point that that actually everything we do it is completely dependent and reliant on Him. Um, and and it, I guess it came to a head, uh, Tanika, Tanika, my wife, asked me a question last Saturday night. Um, and she said to me, when was the last time um, you, you overtly shared the gospel with somebody? And for me, it was just kind of like, I've had conversations with people and, you know, you look for opportunities and things like that. But in terms of actively, proactively stepping out of my comfort zone um, and sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody, when was the last time I did that? And at that point, I just kind of thought, well, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. There was that conversation. There was, but, but, but something in my spirit just didn't sit right. I wasn't overt. Um, and, and for me, it was just a bit of an awakening, really. And then Steph's sermon last week, um, <clears throat> and the phrase where he said, if you don't make the main thing the main thing, it just becomes another thing. Right? If you don't make the main thing the gospel, 
If you don't make that the main thing, then it just becomes another thing. It just becomes another priority in life. Um, and actively wanting to, to pursue um, my relationship with God um, and, and let that flow out of me um, into the lives of people around me. Um, and so, so, so let me tell you what I've done. Um, it's not particularly impressive. But this week, I've committed to praying for, to, for one friend every single day and actively seek an opportunity with that friend. And I'm just going to keep going every day, praying for an opportunity, praying that God would reveal himself, praying for a way in that I would be able to share the gospel um, with that person. And so every day, I just commit that person to the Lord. I just say, God, give me an opportunity. When I see that person, I pray you would open a door. I pray that you would make a way. Um, And it's not particularly impressive. I don't think it is particularly impressive. One person. But there's an intentionality and I, think, and I think that's what God wants to do in us. He, he, want, he wants to cultivate in us such a love for him um, that it flows up out of us um, to those around us. Um, and you might be saying, well, what, what does it mean to share the gospel? Um, what, what does it mean to open up your heart? Um, well, just quickly, um, if we could have the first slide up. Um, in John three sixteen, a very famous verse. Um, many of you that have been believers more than a couple of hours will probably know this verse. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The good news that Jesus came into the world, Jesus came to a sick and broken world, um, and that he bore our sin on the cross, that he bore that rebellion that we had in our hearts, that pride, that arrogance, that turning away from God, the sin that the Bible calls it. The fact that Jesus came, he lived that perfect life, and he died a perfect death, and he rose again to new life. That, that, that is the good news. That is good news, my friends. It says that before, the wages of sin is death, and that's what we deserved. But the gift of God is eternal life, and we can know that gift of eternal life. And then if we jump over a few chapters in John, so John 6 at the bottom there, um, we see actually Jesus says, all that the Father gives me, I, I said it earlier, I stole it from the son, but he said it earlier, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. Which means if you draw, heart, draw close in your heart this morning, God will not turn you away. If you commit to praying for one friend every day, God will not turn you away. If you commit to seeking the Lord for intimacy, growth, maturity, development with him, he won't turn you away. That's a promise in scripture. And it's not dependent on our feeling. It's a promise from the Lord. And God makes promises. God initiates that relationship with us while we were in a desperate situation. He initiates that relationship with us um, and he calls us... um, he calls us into intimacy with him. Um, I frame it in that, in, in that sense of God's initiation on a grand scale. Because what we're going to look at is actually in the Song of Songs where we see this, this bridegroom and bride. We see the bride often initiates throughout the song. But overarching that, there's an initiation that's taken place from the great bridegroom, from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an initiating that he's taken on himself to step into a broken world and redeem us. And that, my friends, is good news. That is such good news. And so let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you do make promises to us, Lord. Thank you that you promise 
to be with us. Lord, thank you that you promise um, to equip us. Um, Lord, in, in an earthly sense, we have very little to bring. Um, Lord, I pray you would help me um, as I open up um, this incredible passage um, in, your, in your word. Lord, I pray you would help me, um, Lord, draw out the, the incredible truth that's contained here. Lord, I pray that you would win our hearts, you would win our affections. Lord, you would draw us into intimacy with you. Um, Lord, that we would grow in dependence on you. Lord, that we would, um, Lord, we would, we would love you more um, as a result of reading these words, we pray. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would cause it to live inside of us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us ears um, to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Song of Songs, chapter 8. We're going to read from verses 1 to 7, if you've got a Bible, um, and want to follow. Uh, Oh, that you were like a brother to me, who nursed at my mother's breast. If I found you outside, I would kiss you, and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. If we could just jump back to the first few verses there, verses 1 to 4. And we're going to look at this in three sections. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4 and the idea of these lovers coming home, finding intimacy together. Um, We're going to then look at um, verse 5 about uh, this comment that seemingly is made by um, onlookers or bystanders. um, And they say, who is that coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Um, And then finally, we're going to look um, at verses 6. Um, and seven about these lovers um, who seal uh, with one another another word for that would be covenant who covenant with one another Um, and so we'll start in verses one to four there's a few things to draw out Um, it might seem like the first verse is a little bit unusual oh that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breasts well for lovers that sounds like quite an odd turn of phrase Um, but essentially what's happening is 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 culturally she wouldn't necessarily have been allowed um, to have approached somebody um, that wasn't related to a male that wasn't related to her um, in quite the same way and she wants to to demonstrate her affection um, for her lover in public Um, and so she says oh that you were like a brother to me, nursed at my mother's breast, I would have found you outside, I would kiss you, and none would despise me. That I could find intimacy with you in some way just now, come on. Um, 
And nobody would look on and think that's completely inappropriate, that she wouldn't be shamed, she wouldn't be despised, she wouldn't be outcast. And so that's the longing of her heart. It might seem a bit odd, the turn of phrase, but that's what's going on. Essentially, she cries out for him. She's desperate for him. Um, And it's clear that she desires him. Um, We see in verse 2, I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. She initiates with her lover. She initiates. She's the one that is seeking him out. Um, if I found you, um, if I if I uh, da, 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 da. if I found you outside, if I saw you in the street, if I saw you at the market, if I bumped into you, um, then I would I, I, I would take you um, into my mother's house. And she desires she initi- she initiates intimacy um, with her lover. That's what we see in these verses. She initiates intimacy, drawing him in, um, and it's not necessarily anything. Crass. I think, even, I, think, I think Solomon here, when he wrote, actually wrote, I would take you into the house of my mother. Because there's no shame in it. This isn't, this isn't like a, a secret kind of illicit affair that's kind of hidden away. No, this is a wonderful union um, between lovers, between a bride um, and her groom. You see, you can't... And it, 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 it's kind of almost affirmed by um, coming into the mother's house. Um, that kind of it, it, it's almost it's almost done in the safety and security of family, um, and we see that actually intimacy um, you can't find intimacy um, outside of relationship, and this book has been about a, an unfolding relationship between these two lovers, and this is arguably the most intimate part of that relationship, as we'll see in verses six and seven. Um, and there's this kind of relationship that's developing. Um, and God uh, is kind of demonstrating for us here what that kind of relationship that leads to intimacy looks like. This is an allegorical passage. So it's an allegorical book, which means it tells a story between two lovers. Um, but it also very much tells a story between Christ and the church. Christ, who uh, is referred to as the bridegroom, um, and the church referred to as the bride. It tells that love story between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, us, you and me. That's, 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 that's another, um, that's, if you like, the allegorical meaning of this passage. Um, and so what do we see here? Well, the idea of the church um, kind of initiating with God. We demonstrate a desire for him. We initiate with God. We're on the front foot. We're out seeking for him. We're out looking for him. And when we find him, we, we, we take him and we draw him into the inner places. We draw him into intimacy with us. And we say, Lord, would you come? Would you be with us? that we might, we, 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 might, uh, we might, if you like, uh, provide you with sustenance, provide you with joy. It's a really kind of crazy thing when you think about it, when you think that actually elsewhere we see him as the source of all things, and yet we would sustain him. We would refresh him. Um, and, and that's kind of the story um, that's going on here. It's incredible. And so we initiate with God. Where relationships might be out of kilter, we initiate, we bring God in. God, I'm looking for you. I want to find you and I want to bring you in um, to that place. I don't want that bit to be hidden. I don't want that bit um, to be left out. Um, Perhaps at work where things are just grinding us down day to day. God, I just want to bring you in. I want to draw you in to those intimate places where I know that I can't do it myself, where I'm at the end of myself. Lord, would you come in um, and deal with me? 
You see, Jesus the groom, in his relationship with the church, when we think of it in those terms, he's looking for a church that will pursue intimacy with him, that will make that a priority, um, that will look for him. It's interesting, we see in um, Revelation um, chapter 3, um, the church. there's a church uh, uh, in Laodicea um, that uh, John is writing to. Um, he, John basically in Revelation has a vision um, that God gives him and he writes seven letters um, to seven churches. One of those churches is a church in Laodicea. Um, and essentially what happens is um, they, they get a pretty stern um, letter. Uh, they basically... John basically writes to them and says, um, I wish that you were hot or cold. And God says to them, because you are lukewarm, I will, I will literally vomit you out of my mouth. That, that's what he says. And then uh, Revelation 3 verse 20, um, God says to the church in Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. What an incredible invitation from God. But you contrast that with Song of Songs, where this bride is out pursuing, looking, seeking out her lover. I don't want to draw too much literal comparison between them, but it's like, it's like Jesus has had enough of just waiting. And he comes to this church that's lukewarm. He's come to this church that is just kind of coasting, that's just getting by. And he, says, and he says, come on, I'm here. I'm here. Open the door. I want to come in. I want to be intimate with you. I want to eat with you. Will you open the door and welcome me in? And, and, and in Song of Songs, we see such a contrast, don't we? So I guess, how do we initiate? How do we pursue God? How do we seek him? Um, well, we seek him primarily through prayer. That's a means of our communication with God. There are, other, there are other means, but primarily the gift that God has given to us to commune, to relate, uh, to engage with him is through prayer. Um, and so what it should do is it should stir our hearts to pray. Pray wherever we are. Pray where we find um, ourselves in a tight spot. I'm always, I'm always surprised how long it takes me to get to that point when things are going wrong, <laughs> when things are difficult, when I'm in a tight spot and I haven't got a clue what to do, I try and solve it a million and one different ways. And then about three hours later, I'm like, oh, do you know what? I wonder if I should pray about this. <laughs> Think, well, what an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, of course, because like, that should be one of the first things, because God desires intimacy. God wants to come into situations, and not even situations that are difficult, not even situations that are hard. God wants to come and fellowship with us. God wants to come, revelation, God wants to come and eat with us. God wants to come and enjoy our company. So just where we are, just celebrate. Just turn things back in prayers of thanks to him um, and open up our heart and our lives to him. And so moving on then in verse 5, we get this this, um, just a short sentence. Who is that? coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. This is seemingly bystanders that are observing and looking on. Um, and the idea of um, the, these two lovers, 
that have been out in the wilderness, been out in the barrenlands, the dry places, um, and then people see them seemingly coming back uh, to civilization. That's kind of what I see it as in my mind. They're kind of coming out of this wilderness period um, into a place of what could be fruitfulness, place of um, security, place of celebration, place of relationship with others. Um, and then these people, their comment is, um, who is that coming up? They can't quite recognize this bride. Who is this that's coming up, leaning on her beloved? You see, she leans into him. She leans into um, her husband, her groom. Um, And so intimacy looks like that dependency, that leaning on God in times of difficulty, in in times of trouble, but also in times of joy. We lean on him when things are going well. When we think, actually, God has gifted me with things and, and, and I can do things because God has blessed me with gifts. Actually, those are all the more, if you like, all the more pressing for us to then lean into him and say, God, thank you for your blessing. I still need your strength. I still need um, to draw on your wisdom. I still need to draw on your life um, at work in and through um, me. And she's seemingly transformed by this leaning on her, on, on her groom. Um, we, 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 this kind of, they can't quite, as you, you imagine these two figures kind of emerging out of the haze of the wilderness. Um, and they kind of, it's a bit Hollywood, isn't it? But they kind of emerge out of this haze. And kind of as they get closer, they're just kind of, who? who she, what? Is that the, what she look, she looks different. Like, who is this coming up, leaning on her beloved? We've not seen this posture before. We've not seen her so dependent, so reliant um, on her bride, on her groom. Get it right around. And we see, actually, the bride of Christ, the church, you and I, as we come out of um, some of those wilderness places, as we, as we step into intimacy, as we press in um, to intimacy with the Lord, um, that actually we lean on him. We lean on him. We draw our security from him. He carries us through um, all of those seasons. In Proverbs uh, 3, verses 5 and 6, um, it, said, it will come up behind me, hopefully, Tuli. Thank you. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord when things are going bad. Trust in the Lord when things are going good. Trust in the Lord when you know strength. Trust in the Lord when you know weakness. Trust in the Lord in all things. Lean not on your own understanding. That's, that's, that's the wisdom. And out of that, out of that I'll, I'll groom, if you like, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And as we lean on him, as he carries us, um, it's this idea that he goes before us and he makes um, a way for us. I wonder at what point we're tempted to stop leaning on the Lord um, and try and do things on our own. Um, I just want to make reference to um, Luke 15. Um, We we haven't got time to go into the whole story, um, but Luke 15 um, essentially tells the story of a lost son. And so father has two sons, um, and he raises them, um, he, he provides for them, um, sustains them, sees them through to maturity as young men. Um, and then the younger son 
um, basically says to his father, give me my share of the inheritance um, because I'm going to go it on my own now. Um, I think I'm at a point of maturity. I think I'm at a point where I can do things um, on my own. Um, And um, essentially, the the younger son um, who walks away from his father basically makes a terrible mess of things. Um, He spends his wealth on reckless living um, to the point where he's in such desperate times that he comes back to the father. Then he comes back and he says, and he prepares a little speech in his head. And he says, make me like one of your servants. And he says, just, just, just take me back into your household. I don't have to be a son. Just, just take me back into your household. Um, and, and, and he's desperate. He's desperate. He says, how, how much better cared for are my father's servants? Um, and essentially, the point at which the son asks the father for his inheritance, he basically says, thank you for all of that. Thank you for raising me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for all that you've done for me. I'm going to go alone, thanks. And I wonder at what point we we might be tempted to think, God, thank you for all that you've blessed me with. Thank you for all that you've given. Thank you for all that you've provided. I'm going to go alone now. This is what you've called me to, so I'm going to pursue that. And it can be very subtle. It comes down to a decision, doesn't it? Just to walk away. And then interestingly, just like this son comes back to the father out of a seeming wilderness, out of a barren place, he comes back and he's thinking, oh, just that he would make me a servant, just that I'd be welcomed back into the household. And the father says, no, you are my son who is dead, but now you're alive once more. And he brings him back into the family, but not as a servant. He brings him back as a son. He's transformed in his own thinking, just like the bride. He's transformed in his own thinking. He thinks, I'm coming back just to be a servant. And the father says, no, you're a son to me. Come back. And they have a wonderful party. They killed the fatted calf. And um, it's, inc- it's, it's incredible. There's, there's more to that story? Absolutely. Um, but in terms of the son walking away and returning to his father... And so as we lean on God, as we put our trust in him, as we depend on him, as we rely on him, we too are transformed. As we seek his face, as we seek intimacy with him um, in all intentionality, we, we are transformed. As we, as we gaze upon his beauty, um, he transforms us uh, from the inside out. All of a sudden, the priorities that we thought were priorities, all of a sudden get shifted around. And God says, no, this is a priority. And I think for me, that's my testimony over the last week or so. That just where I've been tempted to kind of just think, thank you, Lord, you gifted me with this. I can do, I can probably do this in my own strength. I could probably get by. I can probably make good decisions. I can probably make wise decisions, seemingly. But there isn't that dependency. There isn't that intimacy. There isn't that relying. There isn't that, 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 that casting myself on him. There isn't that leaning on him um, that brings transformation. Um, in all things. And so the next verses uh, essentially tell us uh, how we can find, if you like, that intimacy. Well, verses 6 and 7, um, I'm just going to reread them again. Set me as a seal upon your heart. Actually, just before I read it, um, it's worth noting um, at this point that that. 
if you've got an ESV, it will, it will say that it's a continuation of the bride speaking. Um, but at, at one point in this portion, um, it says, uh, da, 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 or at least in the previous verse, the end of five, it says, um, there your mother um, was in labor uh, with you um, and there she bore she who bore you um, was in labor seemingly speaking um, to the bride um, and what we act whereas previously um, in chapter uh, in verse one um, the bride says who nursed at my mother's breast so we switched from my mother to your mother and so actually although although the ESV might see it as a continuation of what the bride is saying um, some scholars would think that actually this was this is almost flipped on its head that actually now this is God speaking um, to his beloved or this is the groom now speaking to his bride um, and this is what the groom says to his bride set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. And this is, if you like, the climax um, of this of the song i know i know i know the books felt the poems felt a little bit like we have lots of climaxes throughout the book right we have lots of peaks and then periods of wilderness and then lots of peaks and and high points and but i think overall this seems to be a bit of a climax where all of a sudden um, these two lovers are coming together um and they are they 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 are making vows they are pledging seals to one another and that idea of seal is is like that of um, a covenant if you make a covenant you make promises Um, it's like this is if you like the marriage vows this is the marriage vows of the book this is what they promise um, to one another set me as a seal upon your heart set me as a seal upon your arm and Jesus the bridegroom He comes to us this morning and he says to us, he says to us, set me as a seal upon your heart. It's incredible. He's inviting us to make covenant promises with him. Everywhere else in scripture, let me rephrase that, everywhere else that I've found in scripture, God makes covenant promises with his people. We see it with Abraham, we see it with Moses, we see it with David. Um, we see it throughout scripture. God makes covenant promises. Very often, like, like Abraham, this guy Abraham, right? God put him in a trance so he couldn't argue, right? Made a covenant promise with him, <laughs> right? This is how God deals, right? He makes a promise with Abraham, puts him in a trance so that Abraham can't, uh, what about this, what about this, what about this, right? He can't complain, um, right? But actually this, this is, the, this is the part, and God does invite us, but this is the only part that I see God inviting us to come and make promises, pledges, covenants, vows to him. Where Jesus, the bridegroom, says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. And the incredible thing is that in order to, to make those pledges, those promises, we have to be, we have to be if you like, um, divorced or detached from everything else in the world. We have, to, we have to lay all of that stuff aside. And we have to throw our lot in with him. Who is this leaning on her beloved. 
That's, that's, that's the idea, that, that we're, we're laying aside all of the good, the bad. Um, we're laying aside all of, all of the, the, the strengths, the weaknesses that we have. We're laying all of that aside. And we're giving ourselves 100% to pursuing intimacy with the lover of our soul. That's, that's, that's what's going on here. And God is calling us as a church. And I think he's been doing that over this series. As we've opened up our hearts to him, as we've pursued him, as we've opened up this book, and God's just been winning our hearts and he's been wooing us, he's calling us out of complacency. He's calling us out of lukewarmness. He's calling us out of just coasting. He's calling us out of just getting by. And he wants to transform us. And he wants us to have desire, that kind of intimacy with him um, that is so precious, that is so detailed, that is so, um, well, as it goes on in these next few verses, um, he's calling us to reciprocate um, his strong love, his jealous love. He's calling us to reciprocate that kind of love um, that he showed for us. And at this point, I just want to quote um, from this book that we've been uh, kind of tracking with throughout the series. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful commentary on this um, incredible poem. Um, because you see, right at the beginning, like I said, God, God is the one that initiates. We, fir- we love because he first loved us. God initiates. Our response to his initiation is to then pursue him, is to almost initiate in response to his initiation. So that we pursue him with all that we are. So that we step into intimacy. So that we depend on him in all circumstances. So that we lean on him. So that we rely on him. So that we set him um, as a seal upon our heart. And just before I... Just before I, I just felt God prompt me or something. And just before I read that, um, I just wanted to share a testimony. Um, I... Um, uh, when I was young and reckless, no, <laughs> um, when I was younger, um, I, I would often, um, in my prayer times, um, make some pretty outrageous promises to God. And it's a very dangerous thing to do, um, because it's a very intimate place. And, and, and what we mustn't do, and this is a really careful nuance, what we mustn't do is make promises that are conditional. God if you do this, then da 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 da. Because that's not what marriage looks like. You, you, you don't come, you don't see people get married and say and say, well, well, if you love me, then I'll do the dishes three times a week. You know, if you love me, um, then you know I'll pay fifty percent of the bills. You, you don't see that in marriage. There's a complete giving of yourself. You, you, you just completely give yourself to that other person, and it's non-conditional. It, it, there's not necessary. You're not looking to get any sort of um, any sort of uh, benefit out of it. To some extent, I mean, obviously there is benefit in, in making covenant and marriage. Obviously, there's benefit in that. Um, but actually, primarily, what you're doing is you are giving yourself to one another. You're not. What can I get out of this? Or or, or what benefit is this going to be to me? Or what will this union mean um, in life? Um, And and actually, um, when I was younger, I made some pretty bold promises that if God would do da-da-da-da-da. And God, to be honest, God just arrested my heart. 
um, kind of, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago or so. Um, and so now the promises I make to God um, are a little bit more general um, in terms of giving of myself to him. And actually, very much like last week, um, they're non-conditional. I make promises to God and I say, Lord, Lord, just, just forgive me where I've sinned. Give me, forgive me where I've, I've put my foot wrong. Lord, I want to pursue you with all that I am. Help me, equip me, sustain me to do that. Help me love you as best I can. See, there's a difference there because you're, you're not entering into a legalistic contract. You're not saying, well, if you do this, then da-da-da-da-da. But you're actually giving of yourself and you're saying, Lord, I want, I desire you. I want to desire you above everything else. I want to consider what the world has to offer as useless. And uh, I can remember when God first uh, arrested me about 10 years ago. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the story now. Um, I... I, I um, I was at university, um, and um, I, was, I was just out for a good time. Um, I wasn't particularly um, bad. Um, I would go out drinking with my friends and things like that. But I was just out. Any party, I was there. Um, I just had to... It was just fun. Um, I enjoyed being around other people. I enjoyed um, the, 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 the camaraderie of it. Um, but when, when God arrested my heart... Um, uh, at that point, I made a commitment that I would stop drinking for a year. I wouldn't stop going to parties, but I would stop drinking. Um, and I wouldn't, wouldn't kind of give myself to that in the same way that I had done previously. And it's not that I was kind of excessively drinking, going nuts. and kind of That, that wasn't necessarily my story, um, at times maybe, but, but, but that wasn't really my story. Um, but actually, I knew that that, that there was something in that saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm handing this over to you. I'm making covenant with you here. Um, and actually what happened was over that year, um, God just kind of accelerated my intimacy with him like nothing before. Um, and actually by the end of the year, um, within about three months, to be honest, I stopped getting invited to parties. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine, right? Because all of a sudden I had something more important than that. All of a sudden I had something that, that demanded my attention, that, 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 was, that I'd given myself to. And so it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a difficult thing. But I just stopped drinking for a year. Um, and actually what was interesting was over the subsequent years from that, some of my uni friends, those that I was particularly close to, um, God just started giving me conversations with them. Um, throughout my time and it was incredible and I thought well I've got to be in the world to win it and yes but you don't have to look like the world right that's 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 the whole point that um he makes in Matthew um five um you know that we are the salt of the earth that we are the light of the world that actually there's something distinct about us our priorities are different what we're leaning on what we are dependent on what we're relying on doesn't look like what the world says it does we lean on the creator of heaven and earth. We lean on the lover of our soul. We lean on the king of kings and lord of lords, the ancient of days. And that, is so much, that has so much more worth and value that actually it flows out through us to lives around us. Um, and so let me... Let me um, Read this, because God initiates with us 
um, and uh, this commentary, um, Charlie Cleverly uh, says, it is good to pause and wonder the courage of Christ, whose love is truly as strong as death in the agony of abandonment and nailed to that deathly instrument of torture, which was the cross. He went down to the grave. But the waters of death did not and could not put out the fire of his love. He rose triumphant. He lives forever. And we can only shake our heads in wonder at the burning fire of his inextinguishable love. And so for those of us that would call ourselves Christians, that would say that we've put our trust in Jesus, that we have lent fully on him, um, the call this morning is for us to continue to do that. The priority of making Jesus the center of our life doesn't change. Circumstances, situations will change. But making him the center, the priority, leaning on him as a source of life, leaning, making ourselves dependent on him doesn't change. And God's calling us back to pursue intimacy um, with him this morning. And where appropriate to make those covenant promises to the Lord. Lord, I give myself to you afresh. I give myself over and over and over and over again. If a marriage climaxed on the wedding day, it would be a huge disappointment. The bride and groom have the rest of their lives to build, to explore, to invest um, heavily. And that's very much uh, what we see here, that, that as we come day after day, we say, Lord, I'm giving myself afresh to you. Lord, I want to pursue intimacy with you. Show me your face, Lord, that I might be transformed. Show me your face that I might walk into work differently. Show me your face that as I share that scripture, someone's heart leaps so that your gospel advances, so that we see um, men and women transformed by the power of that, that love with which you love them. That's the heart. And maybe, maybe, you've never, maybe you've never made that commitment. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I'm all in. Jesus, I'm giving myself to you. Well, today, today is that call. Today is that call for you to say, God, I put my trust in you. I trust that what you accomplished on the cross dealt with my sin dealt with my shame and I want to give myself to you and if that's you um, I would encourage you to just share with somebody because you see this is a collective body Um, allegorically literally it's talking about one bride allegorically it's talking about the church the body and so as we make those sorts of commitments to the Lord and we say God I'm all in then we can actually have confidence that, that he's given us brothers and sisters who can support and help us um, in that. So why don't we stand? Uh, if the guys want to come back up. Uh, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we love because you first loved us. Lord, thank you that you have initiated to redeem us, to call us back to yourself. Lord, thank you that it isn't 
um, legalistic, Lord. It's not a, a list of do's and don'ts. Um, but, Lord, it's covenant promises, Lord, that whoever comes to you, you will never cast out. Lord, and just as we come to you in our hearts this morning, Lord, we want to know that intimacy with you. Lord, we want to know your sustaining of us, your, 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 your life lifting us. Lord, as we lean on you, we want to be transformed to look more like the, 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 the Bible calls it conformed to the image of the Son. Lord, we want that transformation to take place as you romance us, as you woo us. Um, and Lord, as we pour out our love and our affection, our desire and our pursuit of you, um, Lord, would you, would you come and meet us in that place of desperation, Lord, where we can, be, um, we can find intimacy with you and we can know, um, Lord, such, such joy in you. Amen.